Welcome to Uncontained, episode 61. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render. Thank you for tuning in this week, and as you know, you can always support the show by getting to uncontainedpod.com and clicking that banner at the top of the page for Amazon. And this week's guest has a very, very unique story going from a deputy sheriff to DOJ narcotics agent to FBI undercover to self-proclaimed pothead comedian. Johnny is a very funny comedian with a unique story, and we'll dive into that story a little bit more in this episode, find out why he made the transition from undercover to under the spotlight, This is a comic that I'm sure you'll hear more of, and right now he's just getting his start. So I won't keep you waiting any longer. This is episode 61 with comedian Johnny Pena on Uncontained. How's it going, Johnny, and welcome to Uncontained. It's going very well. Thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you kind of have a little interesting story, starting out in law enforcement, transitioning from that into stand-up comedy. You want to tell uh, a little bit about yourself and how you made that transition? Yeah. So, you know, I think uh, always as a, a, a young uh, individual, uh, you know, we, we decide that we want what we want to be when we grow up. And so at some point I decided I wanted to be a cop. Um, and so I had to make a choice in my teenage years. One was probably going to go to jail cause I was quite a fuck up, um, getting myself in trouble and, uh, drinking and smoking and, and doing all those teenage things. But I, I kind of straightened it out when I realized that I was going to be having a kid. I figured I had to get my shit together. So, uh, went ahead and put myself through the police academy and voila, became a cop. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh. It was an interesting uh, career that I had. I worked a uh, a plethora of special assignments. I kind of had a knack for um, for narcotics since I had used them a lot as a teenager. I think <laughs> a little um, hands on experience. Yeah, I mean, when it came to like purchasing drugs, like that was like my forte. I knew all the lingo, right? Yeah, uh, because I knew what I looked for when I was buying bags of weed or, or whatnot from people when I was trying to make sure they weren't cops. Um, yeah. So you, and you had the ability to feel more natural as a purchaser too, since you had done it. Yeah. You know, it was so natural that even when I was buying it, I was like, damn, this is a good bag of dope. You know, as I was thinking in the back <laughs> of my mind, like this is really good shit this kid has, you know? Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I did a couple of years on patrol and then I went to, uh, the detective bureau, and working investigations and then when you're with the sheriff's office a lot of times you're a sheriff slash coroner um so when i went to investigations i was assigned to the coroner department which means picking up dead bodies and uh, going to autopsies and shit like that which was a huge eye-opener for me you know yeah yeah that would be pretty crazy because you know most people most people don't even see a dead body unless it's been prepared already you know, and then yeah. having to go pick up dead bodies from the scene is quite an extreme thing. Yeah. And then, you know, you get to see all the different ways that people die. And really, there there's no way there's no dignity in death. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, sometimes you think like, man, I, I shouldn't be looking at this. It's kind of like uh, unnatural. But then you, uh, you know, you start finding yourself getting more interested and then you kind of 
lose that uh, sensitivity, I, I guess. Yeah, I was going to ask, did it kind of numb you to death? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, somebody could tell me, like, hey, you know, so-and-so died, you know, you know, could be a close relative. But I'm like, really, how? That's the first thing I ask, how to happen. Like, give me the details. You know, that's what I want. <laughs> and then I got to think back, like, oh, yeah, I mean, what I meant was my condolences and sorry for your loss. And then how did it happen? <laughs> and, then, and then tell me how it happened because, yeah, I mean, I've seen crazy ways of people dying. I've seen men dressed up as women with a butt plug in die, and they have a family and kids, and they're at work or at school, you know? Um, yeah. I, I've seen uh, an elderly person pass away in their sleep, and then the the dog ate the guy's face off, like literally ate the man's face. I've heard about that, like stuff like that. Cause a dog, the body's like left so long, the dog gets hungry and isn't getting his food. So, you know, yeah. So the way we kind of figured it was maybe the dog was kind of like licking him to like wake up and then was like, you know, this tastes kind of good. And maybe started with the lips and then just kind of worked his way all over the place. Um, uh-huh. And uh, there was like these little bloody paw prints all over the pillows. It was the scene was just pretty surreal. Um, what kind of and, dog was uh, it? It was a Jack Russell Terrier, evil little bastards. <laughs> I know, always the little dogs, always the little dogs. Yeah, you know, the, the moral of the story is don't die with a little dog. Right, get yourself something big that'll just finish you off. <laughs> that won't be a nibble. That'll just end the pain right away. Yeah, I have a 90-pound pit bull, and uh, if I die, I'm sure nobody will find me. (laughs) Be like, he's just vanished, and I don't know what happened (laughs) to him. But that dog is really fat. (laughs) Yeah, this dog is huge. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, so, you know, a lot of different experiences with that stuff, you know. um, Lots of good, lots of bad, um, which led to lots of drinking, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's kind of like how you cope with stuff in law enforcement is you don't – they tell you to go to a counselor, but you don't do that. You go to the bar and you drink with your buddies and then you laugh it off. Okay. And then uh, and then I got into uh, narcotics. I got invited to go to narcotic task force. I did that. Um, that was like – that came natural to me. I just started buying drugs from people, people that nobody could buy drugs off of. I could buy drugs off those people um, from bikers to – gang members to rich white kids. I was buying Oxycontin off rich white kids. Like it was going out of style. And, uh, that just kind of became my, uh, my niche. And, uh, so other agencies started looking at me like DEA and uh, department of justice. And I got invited to join a, a statewide task force. And I went to uh, department of justice and worked solely undercover, literally undercover for about four years straight. Um, okay throughout the state of California. It was, it was ridiculous. So now how did you make the transition out of law enforcement or what made you decide to leave law enforcement and you currently work at Google and do stand up comedy? What, what made you make that jump? So, you know, after uh, a decade in law enforcement, um, you know, like I said, most of my time was if my off time was spent drinking and and doing that type of stuff you know just just uh dealing with a lot of the the issues i think from being a cop for for you know a lot of the experiences i've had um and so i had to make a i had to make a choice and uh i had to decide that it was time to get out because my kids i I got two teenage kids yeah um 
yeah. a girl and a boy. So I was like, you know, it's, it, it might be time to transition out. So I quit drinking um, five years now. And uh, and I left and went to work for a buddy of mine in a, like a security consultant firm. Yeah. And uh, while sitting in his office, while well, supposed to be doing work, but I was actually online just surfing the web. Uh, I saw Google and there was a job opening for uh, security uh, management. And so I clicked on it and shit, they called me up and uh, started that process with them. And I knew I was going to like working there when the uh, attire for the job interview was like just jeans and a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that'd be nice. Yeah. Be, and, and mind you, I have a huge beard. I'm sleeved up in tattoos. So I don't look like a cop at all. Um, and so it kind of seemed like the type of environment I could really get down with. Yeah. And so when I went to my first interview and one of the guys who was interviewing me is like 20 years old, you know, maybe, maybe 20, you know, and uh, <laughs> he's got flip flops on and some tiny little board shorts. I'm like, okay, what really, is this fucking real or what? Uh, <laughs> oh, so, you know, I went through my interview process with them and then uh, they called me up and said, hey, I want to offer you a job. And I said, shit. All right. So I, I went and I've been there for about almost two years now at, at Google. And, uh, yeah, the place is awesome, you know, but it, it's the transition between going from law enforcement to the enforcement of a tech company is real different. Yeah. Did you get the flip flops and the tiny little board shorts to fit in or, um, you know, I, I don't really have that tiny little board short body. I'm, <laughs> sort of a, 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 I'm more of a dad bod. Body, right so uh yeah i'm, I'm still kind of fair I guess i'm still kind of copy copy in some ways um but uh i've been nominated as the scariest person at google right on i that that's impressive and well i i could see scary and then there'd be some like creepy kind of nerdy types there too but it's kind of a different category oh yeah i mean i'll tell you what like google is uh they hire the smartest people in the world Right. And I mean, you're talking about engineers and and scientists and, you know, these people that are just geniuses. And, you know, I barely made it through high school. Yeah. So the conversations I have with these people are real different. But the one thing I've noticed about really, really smart people is that they're really stupid. As far as like uh, how common sense. like okay. common sense. That's what like, I was kind of get at, like social skills and common sense. And but they're yeah, very book yeah, smart. I, yeah, they're, they're, they're very introverted. Um, so like if you see somebody, you say hi to them and they just walk away from you. It may not be because they don't want to talk to you. It's just they don't know how to talk to you because they live in their mom's basement and they play video games all night long. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, somebody, somebody big is talking to me. I got to yeah, keep on yeah, walking on. Um, um. <laughs> you know, it's like the sun hurts them and they've probably never ran outside. You know, it's just one of those things. <laughs> it, when, when you see somebody who... Uh, gets confused by the way the door opens in or out. You're like, okay, yep. And that guy's probably making like two hundred thousand dollars a year. So yeah, that's awesome. yeah. They like, can't figure out push and pull, but they can figure out the uh, yeah. like Google AdWords and stuff like that. And yeah, they they write code and sleep, right? They write code all day long. So you know, they just sit there and, and type shit, but uh, they lose their car in the parking lot. 
<laughs> yes, that that that's kind of funny. I've I've met a few people like that. I've met a few people like that, which you know, you feel really good about yourself in some instances when you're with them, like, okay, yeah, I can figure this out. I can maneuver through the streets and do this, but then you start they start talking tech and you're like uh yeah, I have no clue where you're at. At least that's the way I am. But Yeah, I'm like, uh I can pick up something heavy. I don't know if you guys want to see that. <laughs> you want this object moved over there? <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's it's and, and and I'm I'm telling you the truth, like there's people they call us and they're like, We can't find our car. And wow. Like, you can't find your car? Like, really? Just All walk right. around the parking lot with your beeper thingy until you find it. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you got to show them that their actual their key fob has a beeper thingy. They never use that thing. They don't know what it is. Really, they they're techie and they don't know about key fobs. Oh, oh, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. Um, you know, we have a, a a department called Tech Stop, and that's where you go to kind of if you have any technical issues with your computer or your phones or anything like that, it's kind of like our own IT department. Yeah. And there's people in there with like real issues, like software issues. And I go in there and I'm just like, how do I do a screenshot? And they just look at me like I'm fucking retarded. You show me how to do a screenshot. I'll show you how to find your car. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can you show me how to, how to share this meme with my friends, please? Thanks. <laughs> like, Oh my God, you're so stupid. Okay, so you're at Google now, and yeah. you how do you get the how do you get the inspiration and decide to go do stand up comedy? So, you know, I'm a manager, so I have a, a team of people that work for me, and every day is like me. You know, they want to know stories about when I was a cop because a lot of them want to be in law enforcement and stuff. You know, it's all part of the security department there. There are a lot of young people. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm sharing stories with them. I'm talking to them about me raising two teenage kids, a boy and a girl. And, you know, they're just like, man, that stuff is hilarious. You should, like, you should tell people that. You know, you should go talk to people. And I really do enjoy making people laugh. It's kind of like I get pleasure out of that, you know. Not, like, boner pleasure, but, like, internal <laughs> pleasure. Um, I'm not weird. <laughs> that, that would be fucked up. You're making somebody <laughs> laugh. You're on stage telling jokes. And all of a sudden, no, I don't see yeah, what pops yeah, up. Yeah, that's why I don't do it in sweatpants. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so then uh, I, was, I just kind of thought about it for a while. And then uh, I s had seen a couple times that there was these open mics um, in the Bay Area. And uh, I saw that there was one at Rooster Tea Feathers on like a Wednesday night. And so I just sent an email and the lady responded and says, yep, you're up. You're, you're signed up. We'll see you here at 7. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Um. And, uh, I went over there and sat in the parking lot, debated whether I should even go in or not. Um, and then I, I got stoned and, uh, I went inside and, uh, it was, it was terrifying at first, but you know what I did? I, I missed that adrenaline rush that I used to get when I was a cop. Yeah. Like if I was going to buy undercover or, or do a, uh, a search warrant and kick in somebody's door, it was a certain adrenaline rush. Well, I get that now before I go on stage. And so that's kind of like what drives me. Like I, I miss that, that, uh, that rush and this doing comedy gives me that rush. Okay. That's completely understandable right there. And, um, so how did your first set go? Uh, my first set actually went really well. I, I, I did a bit about, uh, okay. Well, first of all, I don't write anything down. 
okay. which I probably okay. sh- I probably should start working on that, but I don't. I think I I just kind of go up there and I just start spitting shit out, and I know basically my talking points. But uh, I did a bit about how Google has these self cleaning toilets, um, bidets. Yeah. And so I talked about, you know, how I looked down on, on men inside the stalls that were in there getting their asses washed. And then uh, <sighs> I finally mustered up the, the guts to go in there and sit down. And I kind of walked my fingers to that button and I pushed it. And I let that water oscillate on my butthole. And uh, it was at that point that I realized that I kind of like my ass played with a little bit. <laughs> and so, but only uh, by the Google toilets. But only by the Google toilets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have standards. Um, <laughs> so I, that was my first bit, pretty much. Okay. Uh, I kind of went off on that. And and, and you know, with Sunnyvale and uh, at Rooster Chief Feathers, that's a tech community. So I think a lot of people were able to relate to that. So I had a great response. Yeah. Did you bring out any of your um, like stories from when you were in law enforcement? Yeah, so that's how I kind of start, and I still do. I, I I still start my sets off that way. You know, I say, hey, you know, um, believe it or not, I was in law enforcement for twelve years, or you know, ten to twelve years, and you know, it taught me a lot of things in life, and you know, made me more well uh, adjusted, and it made me more educated. Like I know exactly how much three point five grams weighs when I go to buy my eighths of marijuana from the dispensary. Uh, and uh so that's pretty much how i start my stuff off and then i kind of dab into it a little bit um talking about some of the things that i've seen um it really depends on the uh i guess on the location yeah Uh, because if i'm in like san jose or like south bay area i can talk about like gangs and stuff like that because they know about gangs and you know i can kind of dive into that my experiences working on the gang task force but if I'm in like Sunnyvale, I kind of stick to more like tech stuff. Okay. And uh, yeah, and then more racial, my racial biasness, you know, with working at tech now. I think that uh, every uh, site that I've ever been told about races, I've proved it at, at while working at a tech company. How so? Um, foreigners, they can't drive. They crash into each other every single day at work. Every okay. single day. I mean, it's like it's like bumper cars out there. And not only do they smash into each other, but in cars, they actually hit each other. They hit, like, people on bikes. <laughs> bikes hit people on cars. Two people oh, no. on bikes will smash into each other. You know, it's 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 every day. It's... Bicycle crashes? Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, some people, for whatever reason, some people think that if they're not strong bike riders and they work at a company that provides bikes, they should ride a bike, which they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, well, you know, you got to start somewhere. Maybe they should give them bikes with training wheels. I, th- I I told them they needed to give them, like, tricycles. Okay, yeah, big wheels, you know, <laughs> why not go back to, like, the sandbox days? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's make it old school, let's make it fun. But you know what they do have? They have these uh, conference bikes, and eight people ride it at once. Wow. Uh, is it just a straight line of bikes, or is no, it, it's like... A circle. Yeah, it's a circle. All the seats are in a circle, and then you pedal, and I don't know. I, like I said, I'm not smart, so however they that chain drive works, but it powers the four wheels underneath them, and, and, they, and they go. Yeah. Interesting. And they have conferences on these bikes? Yeah, yeah. It's for, uh, it's for networking. Okay. Interesting. I'd ha- I guess I'd have to kind of see it to uh, 
get a vision of it? Are, do they just go in a just just in a circle, or do they actually go somewhere while they're riding these bikes? Yeah, they go from like campus to campus, and then like one person has the steering wheel and they steer. Okay, so it's not like we just pedal in a circle and yeah, uh, no, they're not pedaling and talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my vision when I was a conference bike. We, we we just want to get some exercise while we're having important meetings. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we get our granola bars and pedal our bikes and, you know, talk about important tech issues. Yeah, yeah. They talk, you know, they, they're talking about, you know, uh, important issues globally. Right. And uh, yeah. But, but the thing is, is like most most of the people aren't athletic. So you'll see them just kind of like up on a curb or something like that. So somehow that conference bike went bad. Like, you know, it didn't work out for them. So they're like, it, yeah. they're in some bushes or they're off the side of the road, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Fun with techies. So have you ever received a negative reaction on stage when you're like, I was in law enforcement? Yeah. 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 I, um, I did an open mic at a, uh, at a sports bar. And, uh, I said that I had been law enforcement and literally people just started booing. <laughs> I, I could see that happening in certain environments. Yeah. So I just kind of, um, I kind of reset whatever I thought about, I was going to talk about, I set it aside and I focused on just roasting every single person in that crowd. Okay. So you went in and instead of talking about your normal set into doing a lot of crowd work, yeah, I did a lot of crowd work. I started picking on people, you know, well, I started engaging them. And then because I think, uh, you know, everybody was nice and, and, and pickled by the time I got up. Okay. Uh, that's always helpful. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they were, they were real loud and obnoxious, which worked out great because then, then I was justified. I wasn't just being a dick. Right. Yeah. I was able to, uh, I, and I ended up winning most of the crowd back. Um, and I think I, I, and I had like two people in the very back. It was like some like Cholo and his girlfriend and a couple of friends. They were like texting and taking pictures and being loud and yelling at me. Um, and I tried to go back to my set. I said, uh, I was going to talk about, um, how my girlfriend now is expecting. So I'm going back to having a, um, a kid soon. And, yeah. And, uh, the lady starts yelling at me. She's like, don't you start fucking talking about her. And I said, excuse me? And she's like, you leave your girlfriend out of this. And I go, you know, you." I said, you need to shut the fuck up, all right? Nobody's talking to you. And uh, I said, you know, I don't condone hitting women, but if your boyfriend wants to smack you upside your head, I think we'll all close our eyes and, and just let it happen. And so everybody, <laughs> everybody starts laughing, you know? And she said that she had, uh, she had five kids. And I said, of course you do. And I go, and you're at a bar at midnight drinking and uh <laughs> she said uh what's wrong was, with that yeah yeah I don't, I don't see the problem so then i told her i said well maybe <laughs> tomorrow when you get out of here number six will be on its way and um you know it, she was kind of still being mouthy and stuff i said look you know what i just want you to have a good time i said so i told the bartender because the bar was pretty close to the stage i said do me a favor bartender can you put another round of beers on her EBT card or whatever type of government assistant she's getting right now to be here? And let's all just have a good time. And that's how I walked off the stage and everybody was just dying laughing, you know? <laughs> and you got to be strong with hecklers sometimes, you know? Yeah. And otherwise, you know, they can just completely ruin your set. 
Well, and I felt bad because everybody that went on before me, um, literally two two individuals that went on before me, totally lost their lost their mindset, their track of mind, or whatever their jokes they were going to tell, and because of those hecklers, you know. Yeah. And so when I went up there, I I, I told them, I go, hey, if if they talk shit, don't worry, I'm going to get them back for you guys. And so then after we got done, they're like, dude, that was awesome. We really appreciate that. I'm like, hey, anytime. So do you find the pressure from working in law enforcement or dealing with the pressure from working in law enforcement has helped you on stage? Uh, I think so, because, you know, with working undercover, you have to be quick witted and you have to you have to have the, that gift of gab, right? Yeah. You have to be able to just talk your way out of trouble, which I did. You know, I talked my way out of getting shot. I talked my way out of getting robbed. And I talked myself into a lot of situations where most, maybe some aid cops wouldn't be able to do it, like, you know, buying large quantities of methamphetamine. You know, I was able to weasel my way in um, without doing drugs, um, which most people want you to do drugs to prove that you're not a cop. Yeah. And... Okay, yeah, I've always wondered about that. Like, how do you, like, walk that line? Because um, is it is it okay for an undercover agent to, like, snort cocaine? No, absolutely, or... not. absolutely not. You cannot do drugs. You can drink. And so that's what I did. That's what I used as my crutch. So whenever I would go buy drugs off somebody, I would usually take a tall can with me or a 40. And I would play into that, play into more of, like, kind of, like, a drunk, which wasn't too hard because I was pretty much a drunk anyways. <laughs> uh, right on. So how, how do you get, did they ever just insist and insist that you take drugs or what, were they cool with like, nah, man, uh, this is my poison of choice. You know, I, you know, this, I, I prefer alcohol. Yeah. And so like, um, most of the time I would say I was, so I was, you know, I was going to, I was getting tested regularly, you know, and, and I was due to go see my PO like in the next couple of days. Right. Uh, okay. or I had one guy, one group of, of individuals who always wanted me to hit the meth pipe. And, um, so what I would do is I would just, I would fumble it and drop it. And after you drop a loaded meth pipe a couple of times, they stop passing it to you because it's loaded with meth, probably maybe 50 or a hundred dollars worth. And they get tired of you breaking their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. And I think the only reason why they didn't kick my ass is because I'm a pretty good sized guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, meth heads aren't always that big either. I'm from I'm originally from Iowa, and I've seen a lot of meth in my days. So because yeah. at, at one time I've never done it, but at one time, like Iowa, I believe was the meth capital of the right, world. Right. So you've seen it, right? They're like frail, they're like yeah. snaggle toothy, right? A lot of sores all over them. Sores on the face the, the, and like kind of scratching themselves, like Dave Chappelle's crackhead character. Oh, yeah. To me, that's that's a tweaker character right there. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen people do it, but it was never for me, yeah. man. So yeah, so that's kind of like what I do with my my standup, and maybe that's why I don't write stuff down. Um, I I kind of have my bullet points. I think on things that I want to touch on based on wherever I'm doing it at, or maybe if something new happened during the week that I want to touch on. Um. But I pretty much go off the fly. So anytime anybody sees me, it's I didn't write it down. I'm I'm just up there. I'm just talking shit, is what I'm doing. 
Okay. All right. Perfect. And, you know, if you have all those stories, like, and you're good at storytelling, you don't necessarily need to write stuff down. You don't really want to bring stuff on stage with you necessarily. Uh, maybe, like, what I would do would bring, like, bullet points yeah. up to talk about, like, okay, I wanted to do this joke, this joke, this joke. But if you had the whole joke written out in your hand, it, it looked bad, except for when you're first starting out, it's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I and I know I've I've been uh, I've been scolded and 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 told by a lot of the the comics that I've been lucky enough to to perform with. They're like, hey man, you better write your shit down. You better write your shit down. But one an, another thing about me is I don't listen very well either. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, if you record your set, that's just as good too, just so you don't forget. Yeah, it, you know. Yeah, and so that's what I've started doing. I started recording my sets and. Um, you know, luckily, like, like I said before, um, I kind of weaseled, I weaseled my way into the improv. And so that's kind of how I got to like start to perform at different places. It was pretty much by accident on their, on their part. Okay. So yeah, you have a show coming up on the ninth, unfortunately on, um, March 9th, but unfortunately that will already have happened yep. by the time this episode airs. So people, you know, sorry for the late uh, information on the show, but hopefully you were yeah. there. Um, <laughs> so you said you were saying you weaseled your way into the San Jose Improv. How did you manage to do that? So I, I you know, I saw that in the past they used to have an actual open mic at the Improv. Um, and they stopped having it. So I started just emailing contacts at the Improv that I Googled, luckily, because I work at Google, right? And... Uh, <laughs> Be in trouble if you use yeah, Bing. Yeah, yeah, your computer shuts down, and then a big person comes and beats the shit out of you if you use Bing. Or like that. <laughs> that's, that's your job. job. You're so, like the you're the Google enforcer. Yeah, yeah, so it would be kind of difficult to do it to myself. Um, but so I, so I emailed an, an, a person, and he got back to me, and he goes, "Oh, okay." Um, I said, "Hey, is there a chance I can get on on a, on a on a weeknight? You know, I want to get some set time in and stuff." And um, Human, who's the, um, the, I think he's the manager there, uh, emailed me back and says, yeah, why don't you come in on Wednesday, on a Wednesday night, and let's see what you got. And I said, oh, sweet. And so it was it was kind of just as easy as that. Um, and so I went on a Wednesday night, and I got added to, as a guest spot for um, Phil Medina was headlining that night. Okay. And uh so I went on and I, I performed. I had a bunch of people from work come and see me and stuff. It went really well. And so um, after Human pulled me aside and goes, hey, so I have some notes for you, just some pointers. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, you know, first of all, you need to um, – he goes, oh, wait, by the way, he goes, how long have you been doing comedy again? I said, oh, uh, and this was in October. And I said, um, okay. since August. And he goes, August of what? I said, August of like a month and a half ago. <laughs> and he goes, are you fucking shitting me? And I go, no. And he crumbled up the piece of paper with all the notes. He goes, well, then there's no point in me giving you these because you don't even know what the fuck you're doing up there yet. I go, yeah, <laughs> I guess not. And he goes, I'll tell you what. He goes, you have a great gift. You have a good talent for going up there and just telling jokes. He goes, so all I can say is just keep practicing for right now. He goes, because that was great. You know, you don't even know what you're doing and, and you did a good job, you know. Um did you ever look at the notes that he wrote you? Did you get to see what he wrote no, down? No, he crumbled them up and threw them away like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
they still could have been useful. Like, hey, I may have just started, but I can still read. Yeah, yeah. I think what he was he was gonna because um, he did kind of give me a couple pointers. We sat outside while he smoked a cigarette, and you know, he said it was like little things, like, hey, make sure you move the mic stand out of from in front of you, which is like, a, you know, fucking my bad. You know, I kind of left it there. I moved it eventually. Um, he said, don't play with the cord so much. And, okay. And um, he go. He was talking about you know, transitioning from joke to joke. He goes, you did that really well. He goes, you just need to practice it. He goes, but that's just going to come with you standing up in front of people and telling stories. And uh, I said, oh, okay. And he goes, I said, so how do I get more time? And he goes, well, honestly, <laughs> if I would have known that you barely started doing comedy, I actually would have never invited you over here today. And I go, oh, all right. He goes, but uh, yeah, you stuck one past the goalie. I go, well, that's pretty much what I do. I'm a sneaky fucker. And <laughs> he goes, the way to get on to shows is start linking up with these guys that you're performing with tonight and see if they'll add you to their their um, to their shows that they're putting on. And I said, oh, okay. So I started talking to the comics that I performed with. A lot of them liked what my set and then uh, Phil Medina actually invited me to do a um, benefit show with him. That was my next show. So I did a benefit where I actually got paid, which was amazing. Um, wow, that, that is impressive, especially so close, so soon after starting. Yeah, I was like, you're going to pay me? Okay. And uh, so we did the benefit show. That went awesome. And then, um, and then he connected me with uh, Revis, uh, or Revis Dunlop. And okay. um, I performed with him in uh, in November and December at San Jose Improv, which went really well. And then uh, I'll be performing with uh, Rivas again next week. Well, when this thing airs a couple months ago. Okay. Well, it might not be a couple months ago, but it will have already happened. But you do have a show coming up in April with some people from Google. Is that correct? Yeah, they're, they're putting together a show in San Francisco um, with there's a group at Google called uh, Funny Googlers who Google each other while we're Googling. And um, that's really not the name. It's just called Funny Googlers. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're putting together a, a show in uh, San Francisco. I believe it's going to be at the Purple Onion. And so I think that's going to come up in April. Okay, yeah, you said end of April or something like that, tentatively. Yeah. Um, is there is there a place where people can go to check out uh, show dates, or will you have that on your Facebook page? Yeah, so or? I have it on my Facebook page, um, and uh, my Facebook, and then you know, a uh, I have a Twitter. I don't, I'm not really good at t- at tweeting, tweeting, twatting anything, <laughs> tweeting, tweeting, whatever, yeah. twatting. Uh, that works. So too. mostly, I use my Facebook. All right, cool. And I will put your Facebook in the show notes uh, so people can easily link to that and uh, find out information on you. But you've only been doing stand-up for, well, less than a year now still. And uh, what advice, if any, do you have that you can pass on to somebody getting started out? Um, I would say if it's something that you really truly want to do – you know, like for me, I just, I, w- I would just start, uh, you know, trying to network. Um, the biggest thing I think is, is the networking for me, you know, the open mics are awesome. They give you that, that practice and you start to learn your, um, your voice 
um, and, and the type of uh, comic, I guess, that you're going to be. Maybe I don't even know if this is the comic I'm going to be. I'm still learning as I go along, right? Um, I know I'm yeah. really good at talking shit. I'm quick-witted, so it kind of just kind of falls into play. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just be be very uh, – I'm very persistent, and that's worked out well for me. So just be persistent. You know, um, I don't take no for an answer very often. If uh, if I network with a comic, whether it's via Facebook or whatnot, and they say they can get me on, I harass them until they get me on. Okay, perfect. So basically persistence and actually just getting out there and doing stuff. You can correct me if I'm wrong on some. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but... Just getting up there and, and just – and just speaking in front of people and learning how to, um, learning how to talk in front of people. You know, I think that's the, like the biggest thing. Perfect. And how do you go about promoting yourself? Um, so I use Facebook a lot. Um, and that's pretty much my, my biggest avenue, like Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then I'm pretty old school. I even put up a flyer at Starbucks one time, uh, Okay. Did do you think that helped? Yeah, yeah, it actually did. I I had uh, people show up to the benefit show, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we saw your flyer at Starbucks," and I'm like, huh, "Fucking go figure." <laughs> well, everybody goes to Starbucks or Pete's or someplace like that. Maybe even Phil's. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. The world's addicted to coffee. Okay, so guerrilla style putting up flyers and Facebook. Yeah, Facebook and 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 utilize your your Facebook contacts that you, everybody has family on Facebook. You know. Um, push them and, and it seems like the word spreads, you know? Yeah. Okay. So anything else that you use or are those the meat and potatoes of your promotion? As far as even like drugs, uh, I only use marijuana. So. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Don't want to push for any more details on that. No. Marijuana, <laughs> you know, that's like less harmful than alcohol in my opinion. Uh, to me it is, you know, I, I, I use it as a, um, as a sleep aid, of course. Um, I use it as a uh, hunger aid, and I use it to tolerate stupid people. And it kind of just really well-rounded um, <laughs> medication. And those those are three great benefits of marijuana, right there. It it actually it actually also helps with uh, raising teenage kids. With two teenage kids, do you think they find it difficult to get away with anything with a dad that was in the FBI, DOJ, and the sheriff's department? Are they like, dude, this sucks. I can't do anything. Um, yeah. So they don't really get away with anything because every excuse or lie or little sneaky thing they've ever tried to do, I've done it. Um, <laughs> and so I, I pretty much catch them. And plus they're both horrible liars, which is not like me. I'm a great liar, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just, it's difficult to, to raise teenage kids. Like my daughter, she's 15. My son's 13, you know? Yeah. And uh, my daughter, I'm trying to keep guys away from her. And my son, he's 13. I'm trying to keep him away from himself. <laughs> well, you, you got the intimidating dad thing going on for you. So if like guys come over to the house, you know, I'm, I'm sure you could easily scare the shit out of them. Yeah, well, my daughter has a boyfriend, and um, I call him fuckface, and that's the only thing I call him. <laughs> um, he, I told him he doesn't. I don't. I'm not going to learn his name until he earns it, and he hasn't earned it yet. All right. Well, he has to keep trying. What could help him earn that? Uh, if he'd stop dating my daughter. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, what do you want somebody who comes to your show, comes see you do stand up, to 
take away from that show? What do you want them to remember? Um, to remember that, uh, you know, everything that I talk about is real. Um, I don't, I don't write jokes per se. Just think of funny shit that I think people would laugh at. I maybe put a funny twist on things that I've been experienced to. So everything up there that I say is real and legit. Okay, perfect. And one more question for you, uh, before I get to the final question, as of right now, what would be a highlight in your, uh, up career? Um, I mean, obviously you mean a highlight so far? So far. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the one particular highlight, but what would you consider like, dude, I, I got to tell people about this when they ask about my standup. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, I'm so new to this thing, but, uh, you know, like performing at the improv, which is a place that I've gone to see all my favorite comics. So when I actually got up there on stage and was like standing in front of that sign, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm standing up here. Yeah. Yeah. That'd have to be quite a rush. And especially so early in your career, doing it only a month and a half being up there, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. All right. Before I get to the final question, where can people get a hold of you? Facebook, Twitter, what do you have going up? Any last things to promote? One last chance to shout out uh, what you have going on. Yeah, um, you know the best place to get a hold of me or to reach out to me is is um, Facebook. I'm part of the Bay Area uh, Comics Group and um, Instagram. You know, those are the best places to um, see what I got have, have upcoming. I think I'll start working on my my social media to make it more tailored towards only my comedy once I get um, a little bit more established. Okay. But as of right now. You'll also see comments from my uncle, but also stuff from my uh, comments. All right. Fair enough. Um, maybe get a fan page or something built on Facebook type thing. And... Yeah. Yeah. I got to learn how to do that, um, how to make a fan page. So I might ask somebody at Google to help. Yes. Me. Yes. Be like, hey, I'll help you find your car if you help me uh, build a <laughs> Facebook fan page. Deal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. I'll pick the bike. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Move heavy objects for you, Ugh. So, one last question, the final question of the show, the title question of the show, even. Johnny Pena, how do you live uncontained? I, whatever I think I feel like, uh, uh, what I feel like doing, any type of little urges, I just go for it, you know what I mean? And I, and I had the urge to, to get up on stage and, and talk in front of people. And so I did it, you know, I had the urge to, uh, to be a cop and so i did it and now i have the urge to smoke some weed and now after this is over i'm gonna do it <laughs> all right perfect all <laughs> right well thank you for uh joining me today absolutely thank you thank you for having me on i appreciate it yeah definitely i'll have i'll have to make it out to check out one of uh your shows sometime here uh depending on when the late april one is i might be able to make that keep me posted on when you're performing around I'd like to check it out i have one final thing for you to do I have all my guests sign yes, off the show. Johnny, will you do me the honor of signing off the show today? Absolutely. I'm Johnny Pena. I'm a bad motherfucker, and I'm uncontained. Thanks again to Johnny Pena for coming on the show today and talking with me, sharing his story. Thank you for listening. And I'm working on setting up a Patreon page. I'm sure you've heard of it by now. But I am kind of curious on what you guys would be interested in, what type of bonus materials and extra swag would you guys like to get uh for you know the incentive programs the different tiers or whatever what interests you what would be what would be something that you'd want to wear or you know 
uh, watch. Just give me all the info that you guys uh, care to share. And you can do that at uncontainedpod.com and go to the the contact us section and just leave me a contact there or hit me up on my Facebook page. Either way works. And uh, just let me know what, uh, what you're into. I want to be more in touch with uh, you guys. So thank you again for listening. And I got some great shows on the way for you. Some uh, really good interviews that I've done. And I'm just looking forward to sharing those with you. So until next time, live uncontained. <laughs>